Hey everyone, welcome to the Faith Chapel Podcast. We are so glad to have you join us. Faith Chapel exists to help people follow Jesus, be transformed by Jesus, and be on mission with Jesus. No matter where you are on your spiritual journey, you're welcome here. If you have any questions about who we are or what you hear, you can visit faithchapel.cc or email podcast at faithchapel.cc. We'd love to hear from you. All right, let's dive into this week's message. Well, hello, buddy. Good to see you. My name's Nate. If I haven't met you, I just ran into Chris Smith, our worship leader. Um, he was walking off the stage. And he goes, I wish we had movement here every single morning. So fun to have you guys. Yes. Hey, uh, I just want to say thanks for uh, coming together and joining, whether you're online, wherever you're at, here in the room. We have a unique uh, experience we're going to have today. We do this once a year, only once a year, and we are going to do a little bit of reviewing 2022 and then looking ahead towards the future. And I'm about 20 years ago, I thought, man, I think a business meeting is important in terms of accountability and all of that, but I thought there's got to be a better way to do it than like Monday night at 7 p.m. with 40 people. Like it has to be different. And so we, a tradition has developed where we gather together and we just take one weekend out of every year and we look back because we want to express gratitude and thankfulness to everybody and especially to the Lord for what has happened. And then we want to look forward with anticipation as well. So I do this on behalf of our church council. So in case you're unfamiliar with our structure and governance, we have a group of business people who are non-employees and they oversee all the finances of the church. And it's a system that I really appreciate and love. They um, set budgets. They have monthly meetings where we make sure we're on budget. And so on behalf of them, I want to extend to you, we are always praying that Faith Chapel is the best place to give to and through, meaning you know what's happening. You know that we're efficient. You know that what you give goes towards what you intended it to go towards. So on behalf of them, I wanna take a few moments. Now, anybody, if you're uh, spiritually unresolved or maybe you haven't been to church forever and you're like, what? Are you serious? This one week and you're gonna talk about business. I just want you to know this. Uh, hopefully this gives you an idea. We're gonna talk a little bit about what the church should be. We're gonna be aspirational and we're also going to look a little bit behind us. So. My number one hope is this, is that everything that we get to celebrate, you don't say, look what they did. Instead, we say, look what we did. All right, so every human being who had a profound experience with Jesus, everyone who went through a process of finding healing, it's a we thing. It's not a they thing. And my hope is when I run into people and they go, oh, oh, I go to your church. Like, I never want to hear that. I get to be a part of your church. It is a we thing. This is what we do together. So let's take a little bit of time. I'm going to surround this uh, in the context of our core values. And we'll just go through these, celebrate a little bit. And at the end, we're going to read from Matthew 28 and talk about the days ahead. So our first core value is this, Jesus in everything. We put this first on purpose. And here's the reason. There are so many things that can happen in the world. There are so many good things that a church can be distracted by. There are so many things that we could focus on. And we want to say this before everything else, we 
want to be focused on the person and the work of Jesus. Theologically, they call this being Christocentric, centered upon Christ. And so hopefully from every small group youth experience to every adult gathering, whatever it might be, that it is all centered upon the person of Jesus because that's why we're here. We are not predominantly a social movement. We are a church and that means we follow Jesus. Our next core value is this, growing people change. So we really believe this, that God loves us as we are, yet his love is moving us toward healing, authenticity, and wholeness. So God's love for us is complete and total. I I honestly do not believe that God could love any of us any more than he does right now at this moment. However, his love also says, I love you so much that I want to bring you towards maturity. I want you to bring you out of brokenness towards health. So one of these points of celebration would be baptism. We've had 221 people baptized in 2022. That's a good number. We'd love to see that infinitely increase people in care and healing groups. So almost 500 people. And this would just be one of those things where we realize human beings are broken and we all need help. And so we have almost 500 people. These are groups that deal with addiction, that deal with uh, challenges in sexuality, that deal with uh, trying to get through grief and loss, whatever it might be. 500 people moving in these healing groups. Next slide. Save people, serve people is our third core value. And we believe this. We are spiritual contributors, not spiritual consumers. And especially at a larger church, there can be a mentality where it's kind of like a cruise ship. You just show up and like, what can you give me today? Well, we always want to battle that mentality where, no, 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 you are a contributor, not just a consumer. So one of the ways we do that is by serving over 1,800 people, serving others in different forms of teams over 2022. Found people, find people. This has to do with this We'll talk about it more in a few minutes, but that a church should be a place where people are encountering the person of Jesus, contemplating their own realities, finding ways to surrender their life to Jesus. It's about evangelism and salvation. So we choose to live on mission. We are the hands, feet, and mouthpiece of Jesus in our communities and our world. Oh, one of the ways that we kind of just I'm always a little hesitant to talk about this, but when it comes to like how, how broad is the breadth of the people we're reaching, you'll see that with online and in-person, this Christmas we had over 12,500 people participate. And I know there's lots and lots of visitors, but like we got to celebrate the true meaning of Christmas with over 12,500 people. And that is amazing. Now, it makes life a little bit awkward in January when I go to Costco or Albertsons because here in Yellowstone County, one in 10 people have come to church, (laughs) you know? Like, I know you from somewhere. I'm like, "Mm mm-mm. I think you're thinking of my twin brother, right? And this is probably the number I love the most. This past year, we saw 728 people make a decision to follow Jesus. And that's just beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. In terms of that outreach, 
one of the things that's just been a highlight is we have a group of people who gather out in Sydney and they are Faith Chapel Sydney. And then just this year, we had three families. I love that this was initiated from people in the church. It wasn't even something we initiated. There are three families who said, hey, we occasionally, we drive down to Billings when we can to go to Faith Chapel. And we just thought, could we start our own church here in Red Lodge? And we said, absolutely. So they've gathered together. They've rented a community center. They're meeting up there this morning. It's just a beautiful expression. And they are trying to strategically ask, how can we be the hands, feet, and mouthpiece of Jesus to Carbon County? They've taken on that responsibility. We grow better together, our next core value. This is a number that we have really hoped to see increase. People in small groups, over 2,700 people. So one of the things that I really believe in is this. We could come to a 70 minute service once a week at church. And I think hopefully it's beneficial and helpful. But here's what we find. If I go beyond just attending a service and I am involved in community with a group of people who I am growing together with, we see infinite strength and growth in their lives. There's something powerful about it. Tonight, 6 p.m., small group, my house. And it's just, it's just one of the highlights. It's just, we're moving together and we need each other. So I love that. And this next slide is really exciting. This is a little bit about the future. This is a picture of what we are calling Story House. It's up at Camp on the Boulder. And here's our prayer and hope for this. It's two sides. There are uh, room for 12 people on each side. And it is, it is nice. Like it's anybody who's been to camp, no bunk beds, all right, okay? So here's where this came from. There were a couple of men in the church who said, we would love to see a place up at Camp on the Boulder where adults could come in small groups. So you could have two small groups of 12 on each side. It's, it's got a big glass partition wall so you could actually gather 24 people. And where people who have been living life in small groups, whatever that small group is, whether it's focused on recovery or Bible study, where we could take a couple of days and have intentional focus together. And so we're about three, four weeks away from this thing being complete as long as we don't get much more snow. And here's our prayer is that over the next 30 years in that building, life change happens. And that building, relationships are forged. And that building, people find healing and they find a way forward through whatever it is they're experiencing. So that's very, very exciting. And I'm so grateful for these individuals who came together to make that happen. God is generous, so we are too. Core value. Um, we just believe that God is generous with his love, his kindness, his forgiveness, everything. And so we want to emulate our God and be a generous group as well. Missionaries sent 22 in 2022. Hours given to global missions, 3,800 plus invested in local missions efforts, almost $2 million. And this is, this is a real highlight in the 40 plus years of this church's existence. We've, we just have never seen a number like this. This is really exceptional that nearly $2 million was given to other people. Increased Christmas, this is our 10th year we've done this and we've just thought, what if we could increase the meaning of Christmas 
for people locally and around the globe. And this year we had $612,500 come in. Over the last 10 years, $4.4 million have been given. And all of that money is literally changing lives. It, this is just one of those things that I am so grateful for and proud of us for doing. This is beautiful. By the way, this idea of emphasizing something new in Christmas is spreading. I bet there are 80 or 90 churches I know of who have picked up on this idea. And so this is multiplied. It's just not us doing this. Now there's churches all over and missions organizations and church planning movements and corners of the world you've never heard about are experiencing the benefits of that. So overall, tithe allocation, where did it go? You'll notice it's graduated from most to least. Capital improvements, that one's a little bit higher this year. And this is because we are cash flowing that story house. Several gifts were given and there's no debt involved, no banking involved. That's just been able to be built out of cash. Outreach emissions, 17.9%. This is a number that we really, really wanna keep up there is that we're giving away, we're going goal towards 20%. Ministry support and administration, 15.4. Kids and student ministries, 13.2, you're super important. Weekend ministry, just to make this happen, 11%. Occupancy, that's kind of the boring stuff like paying the electrical bill and cleaning the carpets is 9%. Group and care ministries, 7.3. Church planting and campuses, 3.8. Camp on the Boulder mortgage, 2.8%. I love this. Um, we're halfway through paying this off. The United Methodists sold us Camp on the Boulder in a no interest five-year loan. And so there's no, they've, they've just been marvelous. So no interest involved in that. And we're more than halfway to paying that off completely. So as we look forward, okay, days ahead, I want to tell you a few things that I, like, I think you'll be really excited about. So one would be what God can do through this camp, camp on the boulder, uh, Haven camp. We started that last year. We're going to do this again. There's a couple in the church who had this idea. Again, this came out of someone in the church, the Kennedys. And they said, what if we did a camp for as many foster kids in the area that we possibly could? And so they put it together. It's one adult for every kid. It is high intensity. Some of you served in that capacity, but you would not believe what happens here. Some of these kids haven't experienced a birthday party, so everybody gets a birthday party. Like one big birthday party for everybody. It's, it's beautiful. Uh, kids and youth, this is a huge emphasis. I am, I can't help, maybe it's how old I'm getting, but I can't help but think about this church 30 years from now. It's just a major passion in my life. And my prayer is this, 30 years from now, that this church is facing its healthiest, most dynamic, most fruitful days. And so part of that is you guys, is investing in you, believing in you, creating opportunities. Um, I am just convinced that God is doing good things in the next generation. Another thing up there is a rise camp. This was a highlight last year. Uh, some of our missionaries, Yasm Monique Handel, they decided to invite as many indigenous North American groups as possible. They had 17 tribes represented. There were teepees up at Camp on the Boulder. And my wife and I got to be there. It was, it was just an astounding experience where indigenous groups from all over, I sat in a 
They divided up into men and women. I sat in a group of all indigenous men and heard them talk about their pain and their dreams and their faith. And it was just one of the most moving experiences I had all year. We can't wait to see what God will do through that next, this year as well. Overall, a little bit about camp. It's been a big emphasis, so I want to give you a report. 1,600 plus people attended. That's a lot of people. Over 6,500 nights up there. Volunteers. This is the whole, this is how it works, is um, people just go up and serve. There are, there are people up almost every weekend, trades people, people who are willing to, to clean, to organize, to paint in that church. So the, the bad news about the camp is we inherited it with about 35 years of deferred maintenance. And we are slowly, we're almost there. We're getting close. We're getting close. But that's all due to this number. That includes people who are working in the kitchen and counselors, all of those things. So camp has been a beautiful emphasis. We, we, we really believe God's going to do profound things up there. Another emphasis in the days ahead will be a focus on the Menica region. So Menica stands for Middle East, North Africa, Central Asia. This is a region of the planet. It has about 1.9 billion, 1.9 billion people who have no access to the message of Jesus through a Bible or a church, who have never heard the name of Jesus, who have no idea. And um, I would say this, I often wonder what church historians will say 100 years from now about the days that we live in. And here's what I believe. I believe that there is a, a movement that we get to be at the front end of to reach a part of the world that has never been reached. There are things that are happening that are absolutely extraordinary. In four weeks, we will send out our 11th missionary to this region of the world. These are people who have sold everything they have who are moving to a place where it is not easy to live, but are saying it's so important that these 1.9 billion people have an opportunity to hear the message of Jesus. I'll give up everything. And that is just, like even just a church our size in the middle of a continent, what is happening? 11 homegrown people from this church. I can't show you their faces because of security. We can't even use their voices because of security concerns. Because, you know, China has balloons and things like that. <laughs> and more, unfortunately. But that is amazing. A third thing, you got this whole youth camp, Menica. And then the third thing, if I was just going to tell you what... I really feel like the Lord is honing us in on would just be the idea of disciple making. Okay, making disciples. I want to read from Matthew 18 or 28 here in just a moment, beginning at verse 18. Um, this is a passage of scripture that has reverberated throughout 2,000 years of church history. These are the final words of Jesus in the book of Matthew. Jesus has done everything that needed to be done. He lived a life that no other human being could live. He demonstrated who God was for humanity. He taught us the truth. He restored and healed. 
He dies in our place and he is resurrected. And then he looks at his disciples and he says this. Here's what I want you to do and here's where I want you to go. This is a passage of scripture that if you're a church person, you've heard this. If you're not and you've always wondered what is the church supposed to be about, this is what the church is supposed to be about. And it guides our daily decisions. Like, what do we do corporately as a church? Well, we know we're supposed to make disciples. Would you put the text up there and let's read that together. Matthew 28, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority. Okay? So Jesus, because of what has just happened through his life, death, and resurrection, God has granted him all authority. There's nothing withheld from him. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, Go. And make disciples. What's a disciple? It's a first century Jewish concept of how a rabbi who's a teacher develops his disciples, mathetes in the Greek. And so this is how education happened, is the rabbi invited people to follow him. They were his disciples. And over a period of years, that disciple learned They learned how to emulate their teacher, their rabbi, and they became like their rabbi. And that's the term that Jesus uses as he talks about the future of his church. He says, I don't want you to just make converts. I want you to make disciples, people who act, talk like, do the things that Jesus the rabbi did. That's what I want you to make. So go and make disciples of who? All nations. And then here's what I want you to do. I want you to baptize, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I'd just like to take our remaining minutes and um, talk through this. This whole emphasis on disciple making. So disciple making, one begins with this. It begins with the belief that we are empowered. Before Jesus says go, he says, this is what you have to know. That God is generous, so I am too, Jesus says. Everything that you could ever need has been given to Jesus, and then Jesus gives it to his followers. And when I truly understand the concept of empowerment, the whole great commission actually seems attainable because if it's just up to me to go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, there's no way I can do that. You and I are frail, we're incomplete, we're selfish. And Jesus says this, I'm going to ask you to be world changers. I'm going to ask you to carry out my mission and to proclaim my message. And I have been granted all the authority of heaven and I give it to you. I give it to you. You are not alone in this process. And when we live as people who understand that Jesus has all authority, therefore we have authority, it changes 
everything. Because if I have a perspective of scarcity, that there's not enough, that there will never be enough, I live in a very conservative fashion. But if I can understand that all authority has been granted to Jesus and he then gives me authority, I can live with confidence. I can live with a sense of I am not doing this by myself, that there is something operative within my life that goes beyond my own capacities. It all begins with empowerment. And if we don't understand that Jesus is in charge and Jesus gives human beings authority to operate, it'll be impossible unless we grasp that. Second part of the Great Commission would be this, therefore go. Because everything is under Jesus, he says, I want you to go. There's something about the church, one of our greatest battles throughout 2,000 years of church history will be this, is we have to fight complacency. We have to fight this feeling, I'm just going to be really frank. We are, we are so blessed as a local church. I mean, just look around. We are in a heated, air-conditioned, beautiful building with a parking lot. And like, even if your little baby's freaking out, they're on the other side of that wall and you can't hear and you get 70 minutes of peace and quiet. And one of our biggest challenges will be that we quit going because we're so comfortable. Jesus keeps saying, go, go. And it's, it's not just across oceans. It's across parking lots and it's across hallways and it's across rooms. It's not just about sending missionaries to places where we have a hard time pronouncing the names of the countries, but it's about sending healthcare professionals and teachers and farmers and office workers and retail people lawyers, about sending them into the world where God has placed them. It's this ongoing going individually. You go to school. The hallways of your school are a mission field. The hallways of your office are a mission field. The job site is a mission field. And I am called to go with the message and the ministry of Jesus who's the best person to reach a teacher or a lawyer or somebody in the trades? I guarantee you it's not me. I absolutely guarantee you. One of the most depressing things is, have you ever like seen these lists of the, the, um, the most scrutinized or untrusted uh, occupations in North America? It is so depressing. Pastors are just above used car salesmen. I'm like nuts, are you serious? Like they don't wanna hear from me. The best person is you. The best person to reach a tradesperson is a tradesperson. To reach a teacher is a teacher. To reach a student is another student. Therefore, we go. And what do we do? We make disciples. We make disciples. I am personally struggling, after a lot of years of doing this, we put a great deal of emphasis in North American Christianity on making converts. 
Okay, a convert is someone who says, yeah, I choose to believe. And then oftentimes we kind of leave it at that and like, great, your eternity's secure, let's move on. And Jesus does not invite us to make converts. In fact, we even have become so accustomed to something called a sinner's prayer. And I believe there's always a starting point. And I believe all of us need to pray a sinner's prayer. But you will never find a sinner's prayer in the New Testament. It's not there. It's this ongoing urge to make disciples, people who follow Rabbi Jesus, have their lives transformed, and then make disciples of the next generation. So we want to celebrate discipleship. What do you leave behind? Jesus left behind disciples. He did not leave behind a strategic plan. He did not believe behind a manual. He did not leave behind a written book. The only thing that Jesus left behind was disciples. And it's because he understood that you can change the world when your life is multiplied through discipleship. Make disciples, not just converts. Great commission continues. You keep going, right? I want you to go into all the world. And here's what I love about all the world. All the world includes Yellowstone County and it includes Mongolia and it includes wherever you live and it includes the place where you thought, everybody's prayed this prayer, God, please don't ever send me to, right? All the world. So there's a, there's a little term that I've been working with. It's a little bit cheesy, but it helps me remember this. We want to be a global church, okay, global church. So it's global and local. So we want to focus on our neighbors. We want to focus on kids that need help here in our communities. But we don't want to forget about the other parts of the world that are very challenging to reach. So we go into all the world. We'll keep exploring. We'll keep finding people who go, man, I retired and I'm ready for more. Let's send you to some part of the world that you never dreamt of, where you can start a Jesus movement that would literally change the face of that country. Young people who will say, you know what? The American dream is not my dream, but the dream of Jesus to reach all the world is my dream. We'll find a way to get you there to walk across hallways, whatever it might be. We keep going. And as we go, Jesus says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to baptize people. I want you to baptize them in this Trinitarian way, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptism is just, it's so essential. It's throughout the New Testament, it seems to be the thing, the, the indicator. It seems to be the, the stat that you want to pay the most attention to. Here's one of my favorite things about this church. I do not know how this developed. I've asked Stan and Ginger, who pastored this church for 36 years. I asked them, when did this start? And they said, we don't know. It's when we just saw someone be baptized and everybody broke into spontaneous applause the minute they came out of the water. Why? Because that's what matters. There's something about baptism. Throughout the New Testament, it was, yes, I believe, and here's, here's my, this is how I signify my belief, is I am going to go under the water. I'm gonna like trust my life, lean backwards. How many people have trust issues, right? I'm gonna trust, I'm gonna lean backwards, and I'm gonna come up out of the water with like my 
my hair smeared on my face and my makeup gone and like my clothes clinging to the lumps in my body. And I'm not going to be looking my best, but I'm saying that I am in. I am a disciple of Jesus. I believe that I'm buried with Christ and I'm raised to new life. And we'll have our hits and misses. We just, we've been teasing Mark Johnson who does some of our baptisms. He like did a, like he got 95% of this person underwater. This much was still out. And we keep teasing them like, you gotta find that person and rebaptize them because they're 90% baptized. We, we used to have a uh, youth pastor here named Brian Carpenter and the way he baptized, I don't know if any of you saw that, he's a big man and he would take people under the water and then like wait. <laughs> like count off three seconds and three seconds when you're laying in somebody's arms in the water, you see people like start to kick their legs and at that moment he'd bring them up and I'm like, I said, Brian, why do you do that? He goes, hey, I want him to really think, my old life is dead. <laughs> and I've been resurrected by Jesus. Is the importance of baptism. As you make disciples, part of discipleship is baptism. And then Jesus says, I want you to teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. I, I need to tell you this. I have, I have failed to understand this for decades. I focused on the teaching. Teaching is very important. Truth is very important. Please hear that. But Jesus says, I want you to teach them to obey. <laughs> obey, here's where discipleship really happens. I could cognitively have been taught and I could cognitively understand that God is good and kind. I can, I can know that up here. But when a catastrophe strikes my life, do I know it up here or do I choose to live it out? I could understand God's parameters for life. But when I have an opportunity to go outside of those parameters, do I actually submit and do I obey him? And so in the days ahead, you'll hear this directly, but mostly indirectly. We're going to focus a lot on how do we actually obey him? Not just believe. Not just teach, but literally live out the teachings of Jesus. In fact, this spring, we're in the final stages of pulling together a journal called Teach Me. It'll be available to everybody. And it's taking just one subject, 30 days, and saying, could we learn to actually do this? <laughs> to obey Jesus in this. Not just talk about it or think about it, but to put it into practice. And Jesus ends the great commission with this. As he said, all authority in heaven on earth has been granted to me. It's then mirrored below where it says, and you have to know that you are not alone. I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so as we move into the future, I don't think there's anything more important than knowing that we are not alone. 2,000 years ago, Jesus looked at his disciples and said, I'm going to build a church. Jesus is the architect. He is the creator of the church. 
And as we venture into 2023 and beyond, we are not alone. He is paving the way. He is forging the way. He is making the miraculous possible. He is opening up doors of opportunity. He is empowering everyone who is listening. He's preparing you for the mission and adventure of a lifetime. We hope that this helps you take your next step on your spiritual journey. If you'd like to get involved with the work and ministry of Faith Chapel, visit faithchapel.cc and click on Next Steps. If you'd like to speak to a pastor or connect with us in any way, email connect at faithchapel.cc. We look forward to connecting with you soon.